Hello and welcome to this episode of the Horror Drafts Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brantley Palmer, joined as always by my other co-host, Mr. Nicholas Schwartz. Nick, how are you? I'm doing okay. How are you, Brantley? I'm all right, man. Uh, I'm very happy because today we're joined by a wonderful guest. Uh, Our guest today is a writer and podcaster whose written work has appeared in The Pop Break and LittleHorrorPHL.com. His podcasts include We Heard About Pluto, a podcast about the TV show Psych, as well as The Best Little Horror House in Philly, in which guests join him to discuss the best horror movie ever made, according to them. It's (laughs) Philly's favorite son. George Heffler. George, thank you so much for joining us. Woo! I'm doing <laughs> doing the classic hand waves. Uh, so so happy to be here. I've been really enjoying the show. I've been re-mock drafting over and over again over here, deciding which which movies I was I was eyeballing. Uh, mm. I'm ready. I'm pumped up. Let's get it going, baby. Oh, beautiful. I love <laughs> it. I'm so I love this energy and enthusiasm. This is amazing. <laughs> Uh, I don't think we've had anyone so jazzed to be on the show, so we'll take it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Usually it's us like, you know, begging people to come on. They're like, all right, fine, fine. <laughs> no, I'm stoked. I love today's topic. Uh, I made it difficult on myself because it, it, it it's such a varied topic that we're talking mm. about today. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's just one of my favorites and not something that comes up too much on my own shows surprisingly and uh by the nature of my show i do not really have any control over what episodes come out (laughs) um so i can't really force them on (laughs) yeah yeah well i'd actually love to hear your you know what criteria you use to describe a kaiju film because we talked a little bit about it beforehand but i'd love to hear kind of what your thoughts are on on that subgenre yeah so uh we're talking about kaiju movies today i love kaiju movies as far as what a kaiju is to me i am famously of the opinion that genre is pretty fake. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like, um, am very flexible on what is horror and all that stuff. And so mm-hmm. to me, Kaiju is pretty simply just like, I, I take the literal translation, strange creature, um, giant is usually part and parcel of that. But some people are like, Oh, it has to be from Japan. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there are certainly some of the original kaiju movies from Japan have inspired others, uh, to, to, uh, I think similar heights in, in some cases. Nice. No, that's awesome. I, I, I love it. And I love having, uh, someone on who's like so jazzed and excited about a topic. Um, Nick and I have been cramming kaiju movies in preparation. Uh, I mean, there's plenty that I like, but, you know, I certainly wasn't uh, nearly the expert on the subject that you are. So I had to try to cram in as many as I could. Uh, So I'm excited, man. But, you know, before we start the podcast, uh, we always kind of ease into the pod a little bit and just ask our guests kind of what they've been watching, listening to, reading, or otherwise consuming. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether it's horror or not, it really doesn't matter. You know, we just want to kind of hear what you've been enjoying lately. Sure. So, um, what have what have I been? I've been reading a lot of Kurt Vonnegut lately. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, that's it's a classic example of like I was forced to read Slaughterhouse Five, or I wasn't even really forced, but I was like, I'm gonna be big brain George in high school and read Slaughterhouse Five, and I like didn't really get it, mm-hmm. and I so I like read through it and I was like, this was fine, whatever. Yeah. And then this year. I got recommended um, another one of his books, Galapagos, and Mm. I started reading it, and I just loved it so much. They are so funny and breezy. Like, it's so easy to sit down and read one of his books in one sitting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
And um, I love the way that he kind of breaks through the text by using uh, pictures and, and drawings and, and uh, quotes and stuff. And uh, he just seems like a, a very intelligent guy, very ahead of his time. It's great satire, and it has a lot of that sci-fi flair to it. it honestly, it reminds me a lot of uh, The Lobster, or I guess re- the reverse. The Lobster reminds me a lot of Vonnegut mm-hmm. and, uh, in, in a really great way, and that's, that's a movie that I love. And so I've been kind of getting to go through some of the movies that, that I'm like, oh, yeah, now I can see some of the inspirations and stuff that went into this. Uh, it's it's just really great stuff. Oh, I think awesome. I'm up to like uh like nine of his books so far this year. <laughs> oh, that's great, man! That's wonderful. I'm so yeah. glad to hear you've like found an author that you're really vibing with and you're just loving their work. That's that's amazing. That's wonderful yeah. to hear. Awesome, uh, Nick. What about you? Um, <clears throat> so um, well, yeah. I guess our listeners won't know that we <laughs> um that we recorded last night as well, uh, a yeah. separate episode. So haven't haven't consumed too much since then but um sure. i was thinking about this last night like what else could i talk about because there's got to be something else um so i'll say two things i came up with that i've been mm-hmm. enjoying lately that are kind of horror related um the first one is if you're a gamer i downloaded finally the house of the dead remake um which uh for me is just completely about nostalgia. Um, I was like 10 when that arcade cabinet came out and mm. I was obsessed with it for years. Um, so that series has like a, a, I mean, and it's completely schlocky and funny and action based and whatever. But when I was 10, that was like pure <laughs> horror, like just <laughs> sitting and staring at the logo in the arcade. So um, I've been enjoying the hell out of it. It doesn't have like gun support, at least not on uh, Xbox, but even so it's just like, they crafted it so lovingly. It's like every everything about it is is basically apparently Sega lost. Sorry, I'm going on and on about this, but no, apparently no. Sega lost the source code to the original arcade cabinet. Oh, um, oh, so they can't port it. So it was a. It's like a from the ground remake, but they everything is like frame for frame accurate. All the bad boys voice acting like they didn't change <laughs> anything. So that's been great. I recommend that if you're I'm, at all. Into I'm waiting game. on a remake of Typing of the Dead. I love that game. I actually have that right in front of me. Um, Hell yeah. Played it. Yeah, I got the Dreamcast uh, version, like two old, really crusty keyboards I bought used at <laughs> EB. Um, great game. Yeah, they should remake that. Um, and the other thing is not something I've been consuming, but it just happened right before this podcast. I happened to see um, the January 1978 issue of Playgirl, which is the issue that Jack Nicholson is reading inextric- inexplicably at the beginning of The Shining. Wow. Um, found it on eBay, so I made an offer on that, and that's exciting nice. for me. That, so so it's just in the offer stage? You haven't won it yet? You don't know? I haven't won it yet. Okay, but, I mean, right. I can't imagine crossed. that... Yeah, I know. I mean, like, how? Maybe there's a lot of competition for like forty-year-old playboys, playgirls. I don't know. I mean, that if there's one that has going to have a cult following that people are going to be bidding on, it could be that one. Could be it that does. one. It could be the mention. Burt, the classic Burt yeah. Reynolds. Spread. Well, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. great. Well, I hope you get it, and I hope you can add it to the Shining. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, that'll be that'll the be shining. awesome. <laughs> That's that, awesome. Oh yeah, I mean, if you don't know, Nick is a huge fan, and his memorabilia that he has is affectionately called the Shining. That rules. Um, I did you get the Vans? The, the you know the Vans did no, like a horror. I saw those. Oh, yeah, I've sick. been seeing those, and they uh, those are like obviously um upriced on eBay already, like uh, big bummer. time. So yeah. yeah, they are cool. Did you get them? I did get them. They're a lot oh, of fun. Nice, nice. Did you and get any actually, other ones too? 
No, I, that was the only one that really stuck out to me. Although I did like um, the like loafers that had the two twins, on, like one twin on each, yeah, and they were yep. like a, a baby blue loafer. That was really sick as well. Um, but I, I got these. I really love them. Although everybody asks me if I wrote Red Rum on the, on the salt <laughs> because it's it's like around the bottom of it. And I'm like, no, I didn't do that. But the one thing I did do is I swapped out. It came with two black lasers, and I swapped one out to be yellow. So it's the yellow and the black. Uh, nice. Oh, very that's cool. The original poster. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Very cool. Uh, so I uh, went to the movie theater by myself uh, one night to go see Men, uh, nice. the new Alex Garland movie. Uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, I don't... Oh God, this is something that's happened to me as I've gotten older, where it's like, I don't think I'm smart enough to get everything <laughs> that they're doing in this movie, but I really enjoyed it and really um, you know, liked what, what he was saying. I mean... You know, to me, obviously, it's very much just about the, like the trauma that women are put through by men in their life, and how it's often repeated time and time again through these different relationships that they have to these people, etc. And uh, that's a very like you know surface level reading of it. But uh, again, I don't think I'm smart enough to really <laughs> dive in and talk about it with any deeper uh, impact. But I really liked it a lot. And Jesse Buckley is just absolutely uh, fantastic in it and gives an amazing performance. And I think it was really well done. And just the tension and the just unsettling tone of it was just so like deliciously perfect. Um, and, you know, even though I went to see it on like a Saturday night, you know, thankfully, you know, we live here in New Hampshire, Nick, and, you know, the movie theater hasn't been nearly as what it was back in the day on a Friday or Saturday. Not not that that's a good thing for movie theaters, but it made me feel more comfortable going and watching a movie on a Saturday night that sure. there yeah, weren't sure. like, you know, a hundred people around me, uh, especially with, you know, COVID, you know, cases going up. So was it playing uh, but, like in town or was yeah. it? It was playing oh. at Keen Cinema Six. I was I, I was psyched when I saw it was playing there. I you didn't know, it I, opened wide. I thought it was um, still in limited release, or I didn't even know if they. That's awesome. Wow. I really want to see it. So that's great news. Yeah. No, I'd recommend it. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, they usually are get kind of the bigger movies. So to see that they had men, I was I was very jazzed and and I uh, was excited to go take it um take them up on the offer of having it there because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I want to yeah, support encourage like them, encourage yeah, them to do yeah. it again. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, that's cool. Yeah. I want to see that. I haven't gotten to it yet myself. Um, the day that I was going to go, I wound up uh, getting tickets for Inland Empire instead. So, so we went to that, the nice, the uh, restoration of it. And uh, it was great. It was really Beautiful. great, but I also still want to see men. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. And yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, Excellent. So that's what we've been watching and uh, reading uh, and playing with uh, Resident Evil there. We really uh, covered the gamut. We did. Yeah, we've, we've done everything here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's move into the draft. We're going to draft kaiju movies in this episode. Uh, we rolled the trusty four-sided die to determine our draft order. Uh, I will be going first. Nick will be going second. And uh, our guest, George, will be going in third. But that means he gets that back-to-back pick with the oh, first yeah, pick of the second round we love the same um, draft yes <laughs> so uh, george you know you've talked a bit about your thoughts on um the the kaiju genre so i had a little bit of parameters that that i put on it and i just want to kind of throw those out there before we begin um so t- to me the kaiju aspects of the movie had to be like a main aspect of it it couldn't mm-hmm. be like you know 
it's just like a one monster shows up for like 12 seconds and that's like kind of it sort of yeah. thing. It had to be a primary component of the film. Um, no dinosaurs, obviously. I mean, even, even if the, uh, that maybe there will be dinosaurs in certain movies, but the dinosaurs themselves are not the kaijus is right. my, my point. Sure. Uh, and then no like human giants, like attack of the 50 foot woman or like a, human-like creatures like troll hunters so like for me i just kept those out i was going specifically for the giant monsters yeah creature which, yeah exactly a, a, a creature um so that's that's kind of where i was coming from nick did you have any other criteria you were putting on this before we kind of jump right into the draft um <clears throat> no and i'll tell you mostly why and and also at the same time thank george for um suggesting this topic because this is definitely a big missing piece in my repertoire i i have i'm just gonna be very frank and say i have very little knowledge of this subgenre um and um and i i I shouldn't say little interest because that's not true i just didn't you know there's only so much you can watch so having a reason to check this out um i i really enjoyed what i what i watched and um just for all the listeners i'm sure uh i'm gonna I'm sure be picking some of the most obvious choices. I'm not going to be digging deep. I've just scratched the surface. It's only been like a few weeks of re- research, but um, thank you for suggesting it because it's obviously these are a blast. Um, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to, to talking about them and, and really hearing, hearing um, your thoughts on, on what some of the best are because you know, you're an expert and uh, I'm looking forward to that. So yeah, and- I'm, I'm really excited about this conversation and honestly, so I, this was maybe not something that was like kind of conscious decision on my part, but um, it w- I genuinely could have just picked five Godzilla movies. There are enough amazing <laughs> <Yeah>. Godzilla movies. <laughs> that I we all could have picked there. five. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's like 31 <laughs> Godzilla movies or something like that right now. Maybe even more than that at this point. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, definitely more than that, including the, the Netflix animated ones, which I have only seen, like, one of those. They're, they just keep putting out stuff, is my point. <laughs> and so um, I actually only took one from each franchise. Um, so that, I guess, is also a parameter that I put on myself, is that it oh, was... Uh, that's interesting. Instead of uh, just bulking up with several Zillas, I got one one of each guy. Okay, That's cool. Okay, I like that. I will awesome. say, I'm not going to ruin anything, but I, I there may be, I don't know if you're the commissioner of Brantley, this might not come up, but I, I do have a choice that arguably is is a giant dinosaur. We'll see. We'll see. We'll oh, see. okay. Yeah, All right. Well, we we always offer commissioner status to our guest, and I kind of assumed you were going to take that commissioner mantle, George. Sure. I'm, I'm happy comfortable. to. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I figured the person with the most knowledge of the subject should be the person to to have commissioner status, so I'm <laughs> yeah. happy that it rests with you. All right. It's, a, All it's right. an honor and a privilege. Nice. <laughs> so to kick things off uh, with the kaiju film draft i'm gonna take what i find to be well not just my favorite um but the the most fun and the most entertaining uh kaiju film to me and and i know this is a more recent film but i absolutely love pacific rim the original not the sequel i'm not a big fan of but the original i think is fantastic and i love it so much and it's not just giant kaijus it's humans and giant robots fighting kaijus which is just so such a blast yeah so that is my number one pick pacific rim i know i sound like a philistine taking a newer kaiju movie and not some of these classics but that's that's just where i'm at 
I love Pacific Rim too. I think, um, in particular, the like robot, the like mech aspect of it. I think the designs yeah. are so amazing. Cherno Alpha, amazing. One of my favorite robot designs. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the monsters are a lot of fun. There's a lot of, I mean, Guillermo del Toro. It's no surprise that he takes a lot of influence from some of these classic ones and incorporates it into the design of the monsters in his movie. You know, Knifehead is is basically a, a replica of Giron from the Gamera series, and it's great. I love it too. So, um, this it, there's a lot of the great colors that he does and everything. I think yeah. it's really great. Um, it's a lot of fun, a very fun one. No surprise that it's uh, getting picked here. Awesome, that's a great choice. I haven't seen. Did you have, did you say you've seen the sequel? I haven't gotten around to the sequel yet. Is it uh, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I- I saw it when it not in theaters, but when it once it like came to home video and and you know I had been looking forward to it when I heard they were making a sequel. I was like, oh, this is awesome! Like I loved the first one, and it is a re- it's a real disappointment compared yeah. to that first one, unfortunately. That's that's too bad. I was surprised that they greenlit the sequel. I mean, I know the first one was like borderline in terms of um, you know financial performance. Right. Um, it was a yeah. success, obviously, but I think they were hoping for more. So, yeah, the fact that they greenlit that sequel, I was really hoping for something more because <laughs> it could. It sounds like it could be a real franchise, and it doesn't yeah. sound like that's going to happen anymore. I wonder if they, because it was so borderline for the first one, kind of pulled their punches a little bit with the second one and were a little more recalcitrant in terms of uh, giving Guillermo a little more leash uh, to to work with. Yeah, I wonder if that was the case too, and I wonder if the the money just wasn't there too. I have no idea what the financials were, but it, yeah. it felt like even the special effects took a real a big step back compared to the first film. So yeah, well, how involved was he? I know he didn't direct the second one. No, right? so he wasn't. But I, I mean, I imagine he's got to be pretty involved in production level stuff when it's kind of his baby like that. You know, yeah. I, I mean, maybe maybe I'm mistaken, but a Guillermo movie, even when he's just a producer, I feel like carries his stamp in such an intense way. Oh, for um, sure. That I, I, I mean, at least in the design and stuff, I would think is a, is a big Guillermo thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, that is my first round pick, Nick. You are up with a second pick of this first round. All right, I'm going to follow suit here and pick another recent one that I'm sure I'll get a lot of flack for. But um, drafting with my heart, I'm picking Cloverfield for my first choice. Uh, um, okay. Reasoning being, um, we touched upon this in our last episode, um, or I did, uh, I think the found footage subgenre, well, I guess it stretches across just horror, not more than just horror, found footage is used a lot in uh, all sorts of different uh, ways now, but um, certainly for the horror genre, I think found footage gets a, a really bad rap that it doesn't necessarily deserve. And we were talking about this on this last episode. I think certainly, absolutely, there are specific films that deserve a bad rap. Um, but those are not about the method of storytelling. Um, it's about the quality of storytelling um, <laughs> and filmmaking, really. I mean, I think if utilized correctly, found footage can be a really interesting way to examine, you know, a story, and someone's going to die. All stories have been told at this point. I mean, that's mm-hmm. obviously I'm, I'm exaggerating. It's not true, but like one way to make a story fresh is to tell it in a different way. And I think when they use it in a clever way, it can be really, really, really effective. And for me, um, and again, I, I'm not that experienced with kaiju movies, but I think what appealed to me about it was 
And yes, the effects are a little bit dated, but they do a great job of not showing very much. I mean, it's mostly, I mean, it, you're with the characters most of the time, and there's very little actual carnage, and there's not a huge, you know, climax at the end that lasts 20 minutes where they're destroying an entire city. I mean, it happens, a lot of the monster stuff kind of just happens in the background, um, which A, is a great way, I think, for them to kind of, like, hide any limitations that they had with with the, with the effects. Um and um and B just kind of makes the whole thing to me a little bit more interesting because it you know I think I'm sure we're going to cover this more as we go tonight but like one of the things that I was always unsure of with with kaiju movies and again having not seen enough of them was that like they're often they show so much and it's often about that huge scale and destruction um I always worried that you'd like lose sight of what it would feel like to be in a huge kaiju invasion, like <laughs> on the ground. Um, mm -hmm. And I think Cloverfield does a good job of that. Um, and I don't, I'm a hundred percent sure. I don't know the mythology behind Cloverfield. I didn't see the sequel, the, the uh, other parts of the franchise. I know they're not direct sequels. I didn't pay attention to the marketing and all of that stuff. I'm sure there's <laughs> all this mythology that I'm, I'm missing, but just as a standalone movie, I think it's really, really well done. And Matt Reeves, I think, you know, uh, obviously went on to become a really uh great filmmaker um, the batman yeah mm -hmm. um and let me in which i still have not seen but i love let the right one in and i heard great things and um so he's found success and i think uh he proved himself with that movie there you go sounds yeah. like a a great first pick to me yeah oh, thank you absolutely man <laughs> Yeah, I hadn't seen it in years, and then I had thrown it back in to to check it out in preparation for this, and and I I thought a lot of it held up really well. I mean, mm -hmm. honestly, the the thing that doesn't hold up very well at all is just T.J. Miller and his <laughs> voice throughout most of it. But yeah, yeah, I mean, other than that, like you know that, but that's just you know the the actor and you know whatever, not not the storytelling and the filmmaking and anything like that. Yeah, I really respect what it's doing in terms of kind of shifting the perspective to the humanity of it as opposed mm -hmm. to uh, kind of focusing, like you said, on that larger scale. Um, it's not a movie that necessarily connects a thousand percent for me, um, especially because I part of what uh, I love about kaiju movies is like floppy monsters and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I, I like what it's doing, but it's just not necessarily what appeals to me about kaiju movies. So that's one where it's like more of like a respect than a love for it, but... Um, I definitely do, you know, uh, respect it on on a, a film level for sure. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's nice. It. Floppy monsters is. Uh, <laughs> I want that on a shirt. <laughs> you and me both, brother. <laughs> All right. Well, George, uh, you're up with the your first pick uh, in the draft, and then the back to back with the first wow. pick of the second. Yeah. All right. Look. I'm going to make people mad because I'm coming on here as the expert and I'm going to blaspheme right away. Okay. And I'm going to say that for my Godzilla pick, which I'm going off the bat Godzilla, I want to, I want to corner this pick. Mm. Uh, I'm going with Shin Godzilla. Um, oh, this is okay. a much more modern Godzilla movie. Uh, I, I love the original one for sure. And I think that this one takes a lot of what's great about the first one and does update it in a really fantastic way. It is a very serious movie in that it is uh, tackling 
the uh, government incompetence and the bureaucracy that held things up, especially after the tsunami in Japan, which this is this is a direct sort of response to, and the way that other nations are kind of like deciding what to do about them, and they're like, no, this is our country. Like, you don't get to tell us, like, oh well, we're just going to drop a nuke on Godzilla <laughs> because uh, that's that's what we have to do. Um, I think in addition to that sort of interesting humanity and serious plot of that side of things, the creature itself, the Godzilla of it all, is really fantastic. It is silly at times, it is scary at times, it goes through several changes, so you get a bunch of different forms of Godzilla. Um, It, at the very end, is like body horror stuff happening. There are like human Godzilla hybrids emerging from his tail and he shoots these incredible purple laser beams out of his face and his ass. <laughs> it's, it's just great. It's really fantastic stuff. It looks really amazing. It's a great blend of practical and CGI. It gets those floppy monsters in there. No problem. <laughs> while still being a very serious movie and, and tackling a serious topic. I think it does a great job of honoring the past while bringing it into the future. Nice. That's an nice. excellent pick, man. I love it. I, That's a good I'm, sell. I haven't seen it. so It's a great sell, yeah. yeah. And I'm very surprised all three of us went for the more modern I know. off the bat. Well, yeah. and uh, perhaps most surprised by, by you, sir, because I was I was thinking, <laughs> oh, he's got the back-to-back now. He's got his choice of the classics. And, and well, see, this is the, the thing. I was, I was like, I see where you guys are coming from, and I, I mm-hmm. can understand why you guys might have visited some of the more recent ones uh, instead. So I'm like, let me make sure I can get my picks in here, box them <laughs> yeah. out a little bit. Yeah, Good strategy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. that's where the strategy comes in. Yep. Good job. Good thinking. All right, sir, you have the first pick now of the second round. Well, I'm gonna follow it up with that same exact strategy and say that I am picking Bong Joon Ho's The Host. Uh, mm. Yep. Okay. This is a really fantastic one. Again, this kind of connects to Godzilla for me, where. There's like an interesting Frankenstein element to a lot of these specific kaiju movies where it's like humanity did this. We built this creature through human machinations. And when they're just trying to live their lives, humans feel not only they have the right, but the obligation to put them down. And it creates this really interesting, like bittersweet ending a lot of time to me. And the movie is really fantastic. Bong Joon-ho, I mean, we've seen him win an Academy Award for Parasite. Very well-deserved. But everything that he's done has been incredible. And the only movie of his that I haven't seen so far is Barking Dogs Have or Barking Dogs Don't Bite. Because I just, like, Brantley, you and I talked about this at one point where I was like, I am holding off on that film because then I'll be done. And I can't, <laughs> I just can't let myself be done with, have no more Bong Joon-ho movies to watch. Um Song Kang-ho, who is the the star of it and also the star of Parasite, is probably what people probably know him from. I think he's the best actor working today. I think he's incredible. He, I, I've seen him outside of uh, Bong's work. He, he just never puts in a bad performance. And this one, I think, is really a, a standout among his career. The tone is balanced between comedy and horror and action. It's it's just so much fun, and it is modern, and it is a critique of uh, American interventionism in a lot of ways, and and uh, the way that we are willing to just like uh, uh, fuck up the environment and then say, uh, well, oops. <laughs> so 
just uh, just really great stuff. Bong Joon Ho killing it. Great, great pick. pick. I, yep. I I have a feeling that was fairly high on Nick's list it as was. well. So I feel <laughs> yep. like you've snagged that right out from <laughs> you, under him. Yep. Uh, now, yeah. To be fair, it wouldn't have been my next choice, but um, you know, it's it's good. I I picked that on the last episode for something. It's it's good that I didn't get it twice in a row. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, lo- I love that movie. It's been too long since I've seen it. But same here. Yeah, really fun one. Yeah, uh, Nick. Speaking of your selection, sir, you're up next. Uh, all right. Uh. Really, it's just a question of order at this point, and I don't really know what I should do for number two. Um, <laughs> I just like I just shit on the idea of picking a movie that I picked in the last episode again, <laughs> but I'm about to do that. Um, I'm gonna pick the Beast from Twenty Thousand yeah. Fathoms, um, and that's the one where we're talking about a dinosaur. So I don't know if that counts or not, but um, yeah, I, I think that that counts in my opinion. It's definitely like kind of an interesting precursor to kaiju, but it the influence is undeniable. It it does feel different from just like a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, you know? uh, very much. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I think that definitely counts in my opinion. Okay, sweet. Thanks. I mean, I and I spoke about it on the last episode. I, I don't want to speak about it too much again. But what I found, although this is the time to do it because you're you're like we have like an expert on. Um, what I found so fascinating about it, I was talking about this last night when we were doing, um, we were doing a draft of Ecohar. Um, Hell yeah! Is just mm-hmm. like beat for beat, not literally beat for beat, but the story. It is Godzilla. It's the and God, it predates Godzilla by a year. Yeah. It is Godzilla. And what I thought was so interesting was that, just as in the original Japanese Godzilla, um, you know, it is atomic testing that has. Again, not cre- what's so interesting to me because I always had this preconception that Godzilla was like created by, whereas it's really that he's like kind of like awakened by yeah atomic testing, and it's right. the same case here where this dinosaur has been like, you know frozen in the permafrost or whatever, gets awakened by atomic bomb testing, um, and then attacks New York City. Um, what's interesting to me is that then a year later Godzilla comes out with basically the same plot. Um, I'm not saying it was a ripoff. I'm just saying it's this. It's the same premise. And then America buys the rights to release Godzilla, and they reshoot it and take out all of the nuclear, <laughs> like all of the atomic um, mentions. And I'm just, yeah. I, I'm so curious why, why were they sensitive about it? Were they just like, well, we've already done this? Yeah, it was literally. They were like, we need to be sensitive to the veterans of the war. <laughs> they were like, they're not going to come see this if we're like, maybe it was a bad idea to drop a nuclear bomb. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so, yeah, really they that took it all out. Sense in Beast from, there, there's not enough talk about, like, how terrible. Yeah, just the, the human expense. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think that definitely the perspective from which they are uh, coming definitely uh, uh, makes them an interesting kind of pair. You know, there is kind of an American feel to uh, the Beast versus Godzilla in a way that uh, I think makes them both very valuable. Like the the they're kind of both two sides of the same issue, um, but but tackled through giant monsters. You know, I I'm so glad you said that because I, I could not put that better myself. But what I'm glad that you really pointed out because I don't think that I was even consciously aware of it until just now is that I think my experience seeing that movie would have been wholly different if I hadn't just seen the original Godzilla for the first time. I mean, they're yeah. very much like sister movies in that way. Um, 
that's really interesting and um, it's it's weird that like now i can never have that experience of just like seeing the beast because <laughs> it's always going to be related to godzilla for me at this point but um yes thank you for saying that that's really fascinating hell yeah uh, awesome great pick yeah. rantley awesome yeah i'm okay so i'm up here with the back-to-back the final pick of the second round uh and then the first of the third uh i am gonna go back way back I'm going to the original King Kong uh, from 1933. Do I sound like an idiot? Do I just sing the wrong year? I'm pretty sure it was 33. <laughs> I think it's 33, yeah. That sounds I right think so. okay. I'm terrible yeah, with dates. Yeah, yeah say, well, I, I have a bad memory and everything, and so I, oh man, it's like I used to feel like, I felt like I used to know so much more about movies that has just disappeared <laughs> out of my brain, and now I sound like a blithering idiot. Well, wasn't um, that, um... Like most dangerous game, didn't they adapt it at the same time? And like Fay Ray was like shooting both at like simultaneously. Wow. Oh, I had no I idea. I think it was thirty three for both of them. Let me check. That makes sense if they were doing it at the same time, yeah. They're like, We have this jungle. <laughs> Let's <laughs> film it all at once. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think literally that's what it was like by day <laughs> it's Skull Island and by night. Yeah. Uh yeah, nineteen thirty three. Oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean this is I Look, you're a huge King, uh, uh, a Godzilla fan. King Kong's always been the giant creature that I've loved the most. And, you know, I don't know what it was. I, I Again, I have a bad memory, but I feel like I, I had watched this when I was a kid and it probably imprinted on me in some way. I'm sure it was like reruns on like some channel back in like the early <laughs> 90s or something and it imprinted on me. And... uh I've loved it ever since, and and I revisit it every once in a while, and it just it still holds up so well. I mean, look, there are problematic aspects of that movie, definitively. Okay, I mean, it's made in 1933. I mean, yes, yeah, there's a lot, but this the actual story with King Kong himself and the way that he is just like exploited and treated and like torn from his home and brought to America to be used as entertainment and chained up. And, and the, the, the sorrow you feel like when he dies, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this again. I don't mean to keep referencing our previous episode, but our wonderful, yeah, a wonderful guest had picked the King Kong 76 and wow. about like the, the the pain you feel in you know Kong uh, Kong's death, and and I feel that very uh, much too in in uh, in this too when he falls from the Empire State Building. You know, it's just it, it's it's you know for as horrible as some of the things he's doing, you know, he's an animal. He's just trying to protect himself, and he's scared, and you feel that, and to feel that from an animal character, uh, you know, in a movie like this, I think is really, you know, touching and harrowing in a way, especially a movie that's, you know, uh, 90 years old at this point. So, yeah, that that's my pick, the the original King Kong. Wow. You don't get that when Jack Black says, "'Twas beauty killed the beast." <laughs> Sorry, Peter Jackson. I love you. And I had high hopes for that movie, but I I don't feel it in in, in that movie nearly as much. Uh, Well, he has spoken, folks. Yes. (laughs) Uh, No, that's Uh, a great pick, though. I mean, uh, the influence and ripples that that movie has had are undeniable. It's really fantastic. It does hold up in a really fantastic way. Um, Yeah. It's it's inspired a, a legion of filmmakers um, mm-hmm. And and uh, perhaps it is one of them. Oh, you know what? Maybe it is the most important one of these in terms of its long-lasting effect. All right. I think the, I think an argument could easily be made. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. I um. So let's see. I'm I'm back to back now. Yep. So I'm gonna go from the incredibly important, amazing King Kong, the original, to Deep Rising wow. from the 1990s. <laughs> uh, uh, I I don't know. Have either of you seen this recently or, or no, any? No. No. Okay. It is a giant, like octopus-like monster. Okay. I. My only worry in having this on my list is like, is it big enough to be considered a, you know, kaiju? Now, mm. what I will say is it is in a like massive cruise ship. Yeah. And the only time you really see all of it in its entirety is when it takes up the ballroom, which is like several floors up mm. in this. Uh, and I don't think even all of it has fit in there. But there's literally so many other scenes where people are in all these different places of the ship and the tentacles are still reaching like in all of these areas like down the pathways and through the doors so in my mind it's a massive creature that you really don't even get the full scope of in the film um but this is the type of kind of schlocky fun that i love uh especially in this time in like the 90s uh very similar to like a deep blue sea kind of film um and so deep rising there is my uh my third round selection hell yeah Nice. That's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, the 90s, they knew what they were doing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and again, this is like some of that earlier CGI, so that's not like not as great, but there is a good little mix of that with some practical effects and stuff, and they do a great job uh, with it. So I... I'd recommend it to either of you guys if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I'll have it's, to... It's uh, a lot of fun. I'll have to get, get, get a circle back around to that one. Yeah, I recommend it. Uh, Nick... You're up, sir, for your third round selection. Third round selection. Um, let's go with. Hmm. Let's go with. You know, I I'm I'm gonna switch it up. I'm gonna go with um. I wasn't going to this early, but I'm gonna go with the original Godzilla, the original Japanese version. I've actually never oh. seen. King of the Monsters, the Americanized version, and I'm curious to now. Um, yeah, that's what I'm seeing a thumbs down from George right now. Um, so, uh, um, yeah, that's uh, my understanding is that that's I haven't missed much, but um, I've never seen uh, any of the original Godzilla films prior to this um, podcast, and I'd always been somewhat interested, but I think it was daunting because there's like a thousand of them and I didn't know where to start. I mean, it makes (laughs) sense to start from the original, but I have people telling me, um, especially recently when the American um, uh, MonsterVerse ones started to to be released, um, you know, I had coworkers and friends who were just big fans who grew up with Godzilla who were like, I love these movies. I love that they're including all the other monsters in this new one. And because my favorite one is, you know, Godzilla versus, and my other favorite one is Godzilla versus this one. And, you know, and, and so I was like, okay, so like, should I not see the original? But I'm really glad that I started with the original because my God, I was blown away by the effects. I mean, I, it just, it, to this day looks, it looks incredible. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you have, Yes, it's dated um, for sure. Um, there's lots of aspects of it that are dated, but the effects hold up. And again, you're, you you have a tangible Godzilla, um, which is sorely missing from the new ones. I'll, I, I will say I enjoyed the new ones. Um, they may come up on this on this thing later on, but um, that tangible aspect of like 
the guy stomping around uh, and like destroying model buildings and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, people shit on CGI all the time. I'm I think it's a great tool and it can be used really well. But in this particular case, it was awesome to see um, like physical Godzilla, you know, just beating the shit out of physical buildings and cities and stuff. And uh, Hell yeah, it's great and it's really well done. And I think that they handled like I just. I'm so far removed from it, but to think about all the, the just like 10 years or whatever removed from not even from, um, you know, Hiroshima and, and Nagasaki and they're making a movie that, I mean, I mean, this is like, I don't if, if this is one of their ways of, of sort of like dealing with how like incomprehensible that was. Um, Processing. Yeah. It's incredible to like now watch it with, you know, so many years of history behind us. And and just like it's staggering to me that they're making like a science fiction film based on something that was very much not science fiction and had just recently happened and was devastating. Um, that is pretty remarkable. I mean, I can't think of another example off the top of my head where something like that massive was, you know, I mean, the closest that comes to mind is something like United 93, um, which is an incredible movie in its own right. Um, but, uh, you know, United 93 was a movie that used people who actually participated in the events on the ground of 9-11 had them in the film and it felt you know like all Paul Greengrass movies very much like a documentary whereas this was like sensationalism start Mm -hmm. to finish yeah about a very just like the worst possible thing that could have ever happened um and they're making a movie of it like nine years later so uh incredible movie I loved it I was blown away very surprised because I didn't expect that so that's my choice Hell yeah. Plus you got hunky Akihiko Harada in a eye patch. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> great costume design. <laughs> I, let's be honest, it's a great looking cast all the way yeah. through. Oh, I mean sure, right down to sure. Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> love love that hunky lizard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and what you're saying too about the effects being so fantastic. I I've something I've noticed like watching so many of these is like those early ones among all the different franchises, they always seem to have like the best look to it. And it looks the most like realistic where they're combining that like miniatures with like the suit and everything yeah. to, to make it look as realistic. And, and then when you get into some of those sequels, you know, maybe the budgets aren't there or whatever. And it gets a little, a little more like silly at times. Yeah. Uh, but I, I agree with you a hundred percent on that first uh, Godzilla, you know, the original Japanese version that, yeah, it just looks fantastic, and they do a fan- really amazing job with it. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that that ties right into my next pick because it's really an example of what I um, what I get a lot of joy out of for these kaiju movies, which is seeing the seams. You know, to me, these these are the movies in which you can most kind of peer into the illusion. Um, in like a Brechtian way, you know, like you, you're, I'm less engaged with the story for some of these and more with observing the movie itself happening. Mm-hmm. And the, the movie that I'm picking is Gamera versus Giron, which I mentioned earlier. It is a, a fantastic Gamera movie. Um, it, like I said, is it, it, the inspiration for Knifehead in, uh, in Pacific Rim because, Giron himself is straight up a knife face. <laughs> like he's just got a huge knife on his head. Um and it's really great, you know. I, I it is definitely one of the lower budget ones, but to me being able to look at it and see that it's models and see that it's 
like miniatures and see the the guy like poking through the suit a little bit at times that's the that's the good stuff to me a lot of the things that would be flaws for a lot of people are are the things that are good about it in my opinion <laughs> um i uh, the, the story itself is a lot of fun there are these cannibal aliens who want to eat these kids <laughs> that they kidnap uh, they're using mind control on Giron, which is how they're uh, using him as as a monster here. The designs are fantastic. Like I said, he's just got a knife face with ninja stars that shoot out of his head. Um, Gamera at one point has to block them with a stalagmite sword. <laughs> just he's like smacking these ninja stars. Um, they spray painted the villain from one of the earlier Gamera movies, Silver, and said, "Done. Put him in the movie." <laughs> Um, it also gets shockingly violent at times. You know, the, it's very much a kid-focused one in that they're the um, the the main characters, and uh, you know, Gamera is for the kids. He's a friend to all children. That's his whole thing. And mm. for that to be happening on one hand, and then for uh, 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 Giron to take this silver uh, Giaus, chop both wings off, and then decapitate the head while it's moaning on the ground, chop up the body smell it, and then do a big stinky wave as final salt in the wound. <laughs> it's amazing. And, um, you know, the the famous spinning bar, like spinning on a bar gif from uh, Gamera, that's from this one. Uh, the the There's just so much joy on screen. I also think the kid actors are, like, fairly tolerable <laughs> for, for, uh, for this sort of thing, which is not always the case. And, um, you know, there is a Mystery Science Theater 3001 of this. I watch the sub versions of a lot of these movies, and usually the American voices are terrible. And I think for this movie in particular, Gamera versus Giron, it makes a really big difference if you're watching the subs versus dubs, <laughs> because every person who I've seen give a negative review of this movie watched the dubbed version <laughs> and i think that it is really being dragged down by the performances in a way that it does not deserve this is corny in just the right way and so that is why it is my number three pick awesome, awesome. i mean I, I i have nothing to add to it you you have laid out the argument perfectly <laughs> so i you know i i leave it for the expert to to uh you know, move on to your 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 next round, pick, right. your fourth round selection. All right, let's do it. I am going with, and I have a little toy of him right here. My man, Paul Gasari. <laughs> um, Paul Gasari is a really, really fascinating story because not only is the movie itself very good, in my opinion, but what's going on behind the scenes is more interesting, even. Now, the commonly accepted story is that the director of Pogasari was uh, kidnapped from South Korea by North Korea and forced to make this movie. <laughs> um, and and his wife or his ex-wife is, uh, is also a star in it. She was supposedly kidnapped as well. And there, if you kind of dig into it a little bit, you can see how this might be sort of an Americanized, sanitized version of it, because the director, um, who had been a very prolific South Korean director, um, censorship was really on the rise in the in the 80s when this movie came out. Um, there was a kind of like a military, it was basically a military dictatorship in, in South Korea. And so 
um, even though they were American supported, there was a lot of censorship and stuff happening and they were really tightening down on things. And this director had mouthed off a few times and, and he had actually gotten his, uh, his license to make movies in South Korea revoked. And so it's kind of easy to see how if you're a prolific filmmaker and you know, suddenly you can't make movies there and North Korea goes, hey, we'll give you a blank check to make a, a kaiju movie over here <laughs> and we'll even like uh, get your, your uh, ex-wife to, to come over and, and make the movie with you as well. It's easy to see how that might be a seductive idea for for a filmmaker. And, and he comes over and the movie that he made is really, really incredible. It is uh, fantastic designs. Uh, as you can see here, he's, he's a, a bull. So he's a little different from a lot of uh, your typical kaiju movies. Um, you got a, a very cute baby version of him. You know, broke Minya, woke baby Pulgasari. <laughs> um, it's great. And there's also a lot of interesting sort of political thought behind it because when I was doing uh, research for an episode on Pulgasari, not of my own show, but of a friend's show, um, I wound up reading some of Kim Jong-il's book on the art of cinema. <laughs> and uh, basically, you can see how there is a deliberate effort to sort of reflect the tenets of Juche, which is the Korean strain of communism and, and sort of prop it up as everybody has to contribute their part. And this, um, there's a, a few ways to sort of interpret what happens on screen because uh, you can sort of see it as a critique of communism. If you believe that he was kidnapped or you can read it as an endorsement of communism. If you believe that he was sort of seduced over to their side um, it's just a really fascinating movie behind the scenes in addition to what's on screen being fantastic. I can't recommend it enough to people. It's it's a real gem. Oh, that's awesome. I, 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 I'll i be honest. That. Yeah, I know. I haven't seen it. And I, I knew like none, none of this backstory. So this is a, a, a very fascinating to me. It's a great one. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a, a fascinating story. I, I love kind of trying to read through the lines of it and see what what I think. You know, it flips back and forth uh, every time what uh, what I think really is the truth. So nice. That's awesome. I like I didn't realize it was that movie, but I'd heard the the story of like the alleged kidnapping and all that stuff and I forget where I heard it if it was like an NPR story or whatever, but it never mentioned the part about um how he had his like license to make films revoked that part yeah. seems like a kind of an important detail as <laughs> yeah. you as you pointed yeah. out yeah. That it might be attractive to actually get a chance <laughs> to make this other movie um wow that's awesome so to definitely check that out yeah yeah uh nick you are up with your pick in the fourth round sir uh i'm changing my mind last minute again i'm just for like t- you know what? This is my team, right? I'm drafting my team, so I don't have to draft only my favorite movies. I can yeah. draft a movie just because I want to speak about it. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think this is a worthy entry to talk about. I am going with Godzilla Raids again. Um, nice. The okay. second Godzilla movie, I think. Um, it is... I'll just say that it was not my favorite film <laughs> while watching this. Um Production values are good. I, I mean, you know, the effects are great still. Um, I think it was like a year after the original Godzilla. But my God, just it's. 
I mean, there's like a three minute recap of the of the original movie where like they just show the original movie in this like council meeting, um, and it goes on and on and on, and that sets the stage for like the entire pacing of the film because the climax when they are trying to sorry spoiler alert, trigger an avalanche to um, to trap Godzilla at the end is 90 minutes long. I mean, there, I don't, I don't remember there like, having coming out of the movie. I was like, was there any of this movie that wasn't the avalanche scene? <laughs> it is like shot after shot after shot after shot of planes firing missiles into a mountain, and it goes on forever. It was so comical. It went back around to being like annoying, and then back to comical. And when the movie finally rolled credits, I was like, holy shit! Uh. Like, was there any other movie? Was it just a recap of the first one followed by the avalanche scene? <laughs> Um, incredible, like, example of just, you know, I think the quality of the filmmaking is right up there with the original, um, I'd say, um, but just (laughs) the storytelling and pacing, what a difference that makes, you know, it's a good example of that. It's not by any means a bad film. Um, you know, it's really good. I watched the Criterion Collection version of it, you know, it's like there's... Although there's a Criterion edition of Armageddon, so I don't know exactly what I'm saying, but you know it's worthy of of being of watching it. It's not bad by any means, but my God, just when you compare it to like the original, it was just like, and I saw them right you know back to back, and it was just, <laughs> it was night and day. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. That's a really interesting movie to me, just because it is such a difference from the first one. Like for them to have this really serious movie about the cost of nuclear armament and all that jazz and then to go like hey angiris is here and uh, he's softer than brie cheese (laughs) 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 it just really uh feels like kind of a a tonal whiplash a little bit um and it's interesting to see how they do bounce back and forth between these tones uh in varying measures and these two really kind of set up the future of godzilla in an interesting way yeah, I was just going to – I do see, like, there's a lot of merit to the fact that you know, right uh, as early as the second film, they're like, what if we pit Godzilla against another humongous creature? And then they're like, <laughs> we'll just continue doing that for this franchise. It's a Hell great yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, so. Oh, yeah. I mean, people complain about, like, you know, Marvel or the Fast and the Furious where people show up as villains and then all of a sudden they're, like, part of the team <laughs> the next movie. Right. All of these kaiju films <laughs> seem to have been doing this, like – from the longest time yeah. like the character starts out as you know a threat that needs to be taken care of and then suddenly becomes the good guy who has to fight off the other bad monster yeah, yeah. oh yeah i mean got even godzilla himself you know is mm-hmm. ranges from good protector of earth to neutral force of nature to straight up trying to destroy humanity <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um yeah, no, great pick, Nick. I, uh, I I admittedly have not seen that one, and now that I know Sorry. that almost all of it is just an avalanche <laughs> scene, it makes me really want to watch it. You, should, you should. I'm sorry I spoiled it. <laughs> no, no, no. No worries whatsoever. Um, all right, so I, I'm up with my fourth round and then the back-to-back with the first pick of the fifth round here. Um, so I've, I've stuck uh, well within the world, uh, the U.S. filmmaking. And I if I'm putting together a team of kaiju films, I can't not have, you know, something from, you know, overseas. Sure. So I'm going to go with the original Gamera uh, because, like I was saying before, you know, where you – some of these earlier ones, it's 
you can see the effects and how well they were done. And then some of the other ones, it gets to be a little more cheesy. I was actually really blown away watching the original Gamera and the, what they did with like miniatures and perspective to, to make this creature look so massive. Uh, I, I loved it. And, and, uh, was really surprised, honestly, yeah. uh, because I, I was really blown away with how how well they did with it, um, and so that that's why I'm going to put Gamera here. I mean, I do I enjoy a number of other movies on my list that I might have uh, above that. Sure, absolutely, but I, I mean, again, we're making a we're making a team here, and I would I would feel horrible if I just drafted <laughs> like all U.S. <laughs> kaiju <laughs> film so uh because the original godzilla has been taken uh i'm gonna go with gamera yeah uh great pick you know i, I love gamera it's it's got a gamera, lot of oh my god i mean gamera however look i'm probably i'm sorry messing it up too um i think it's just really interesting because there's a lot of that kind of like little brother syndrome going on over there mm-hmm. between toho and Dae, which are the two production companies one for godzilla and one for uh gamera and um, I think that it does kind of permeate into the willingness to experiment for a lot of uh, um, Godzilla because he they had a little more budget. And so you see the way that Gamera kind of carves out a niche within like Gamera's for children. And, and hey, mm-hmm. uh, friend, friend to all kids is literally his slogan. Um, it, it is just interesting to see how they decided to try and distinguish themselves from each other. Although there are also plenty mm-hmm. of child focused Godzilla movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So that was, that was my fourth round selection. And now I need to make a last pick up. last round. I know man. this is where it always gets tough. Cause <clears throat> you're looking at like 12 other things and you're like, what, <laughs> what will I pick here? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go from my heart. I know other people weren't the biggest fans of this. I had an absolute blast with this movie. I've watched it uh, many a time. I own the Blu-ray of it. I thought it was really, really well done. And it's my favorite of these newer uh, Godzilla and King Kong movies that have come out before they pitted them against each other. Uh, and I'm going to take Kong Damn Skull it. Island. I knew it. Mm. Ah, yes, I'm so glad I took that it. I'm so glad pick. now. All right. <laughs> All right. Okay, good. I'm glad I got it because... <laughs> Uh, I I truly was blown away. Why I I went in. I mean, you know, coming off of 2005's King Kong, uh, you know, and I I enjoyed the 2014 Godzilla. I thought that was pretty well done. But uh, you know the the announcement of a new Kong movie, I I, I did not have high hopes, and um, and then was blown away by how fantastic I thought it was. Um, I love Samuel L. Jackson's character in it. I think he is amazing. That friggin' speech he gives as they are flying through the storm. I mean, it's fun. I mean, look if if you need anybody to give a rousing speech in a movie, Sam. I don't know if you're going to do much better than Sam Jackson. <laughs> I mean, he's done so many great ones, even if they don't end so well. <laughs> but uh, it is like fantastic, and I thought they did a great job with Kong. I liked that they. Uh, well, I think they, you know, they sort of had to as they were like planning out the the things. Like he's still like an adolescent; he's going to keep growing, you know, because they they knew the matchup was going to be coming uh, down the road. Right. Um, and then, of course, you know, John C. Riley in it is fantastic, Love and that him. story that you know where he's been separated from his family for so long yeah. was beautifully done. And so there's a great blend of like that humor, but like just 
a fantastic Kong story. And so that that's going to be my selection, Kong Skull Island. Yeah, I think Jordan Vogt Roberts did such an amazing job with that movie. It's yeah. so fun. And um, I happen to really like Godzilla King of the Monsters. I know that not everybody does, but it is a movie that I really enjoy. And for 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 that to be sort of like the tandem with Kong Skull Island, at that time, I was like, this is the best. This is as good as it gets, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I Yeah. Definitely would have been my next pick. I was looking forward to 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 picking that one. I uh, I'll be honest, I liked all the new MonsterVerse movies, which I was very very surprised by. Um I did not expect myself to be liking all of them. Um and I'll be honest, Kong Skull Island was probably the one I was looking forward to the least. Um, because I'm an idiot. I just don't, I don't know enough about <laughs> the two franchises or I didn't at the time. Um, and easily my favorite of the bunch. I, I kind of just figured like, oh, I'll watch this. I have to, if I'm going to watch the matchup between them and I do want to see that, mm. that's spectacle that I got to, sure. I can't miss. Um, and yes, it's a very predictable film, like any Hollywood action film, you know, like blockbuster, but it's done better than 99% of Hollywood blockbusters. Um, they're characters I care about. Brantley just touched, but it's funny. Um, the action is incredibly well shot and framed. Um, I mean, I think of all of those new MonsterVerse movies, um, even though it's it's like the second oldest, it I think it looks the best. I think the special effects are unbelievable. Uh, just like mm-hmm. truly stunning uh, special effects work in that movie. Um, the The only one of those movies for me where I really did feel like holy shit like that monster is like king kong is standing there he's tangible you can reach out and touch him he just it it's it really was just it blew my mind how good those effects were and yeah. uh, i'm a big fan of metal gear solid and um i didn't know enough about jordan vote roberts and i was like uh, who is this guy they've got making the metal gear solid movie now and coming out of kong skull island i was like that was a confident fucking movie that he just made uh he directed that he directed the shit out of that and i cannot wait for metal gear solid now like he knows what he's doing um he put all of my worries at ease and uh and just what a blast that movie is i i I immediately watched it again with my wife the next day um Mm -hmm. we'd been talking about revisiting the jurassic park franchise and i was like before we do that (laughs) this is kind of in the same vein you gotta check this out um so amazing pick and now i don't know what i'm gonna pick for my next pick <laughs> oh well i'm sorry to throw you off but but i am happy no, I'm glad I you did. to grab it when i did <laughs> yeah um no i'm glad i'm glad you did i uh that's what it's all about yeah i will go with the follow-up godzilla king of the monsters 2019 um okay. i'm glad it got picked and I don't know that I liked it better than 2014 Godzilla. I think I did. I I'll I'll be on, I'll be totally frank because I thought it was a I had so much fun with this movie. I really liked it. Um I coming out of it I I was a little disappointed cuz I felt like the last 20 minutes not that they were bad just were completely a cartoon. Mm-hmm. And it took me out of what <laughs> I think they did such a good job building up but like it, it's not that it's bad action at the end. It's it's well done. I just felt like up until that point, it it was you know it was more of a personal story. They did mm-hmm. a good job telling that you know the families. Honestly, the whole monsterverse does a really good job with the characters. Um, I think. I mean, I was impressed with the way they handled like um, 
the characters, uh, particularly in the two Godzilla movies, the standalone Godzillas. Um, but uh, there was something about King of the Monsters, I think, that it really felt like, for me, the heart of this franchise so far. It felt like the like the most ambitious of all of these movies for some reason. Can't put my finger on why. It's definitely not just because there's a whole ton of monsters in it. That wasn't the reason. <laughs> um, maybe it was a scale that like it was very global. Yeah. Um, you see you know. like Rodan flying over Mexican cities and fucking them up. And, yeah. And they're in the mm-hmm. Arctic and Boston right. and all kinds of places. Yeah. yeah. It's good. And, and, you know, and you've got like the villain who's like, who's great as a villain uh, and, and is, you know, a great bad guy, but also you're like, well, he's an eco-terrorist, but he's fighting for something that, you know, you're like, is yeah. he really wrong? So you've got like a somewhat likable villain. You've Questionable got... motives, yeah. Yeah, it's mm. it was... It was... I almost feel like it was just better than it had any right to be. That whole monsterverse is better than it has any right to be. Um, and like, I'm totally on board for it now. I hope it continues. Yeah, I am, like I said, really stoked that this got picked. It's a movie that I really uh, have a lot of love for, and people do tend to crap on it a little bit. You know, <laughs> I I think that, uh, I'll be frank this time, I'm not really into Godzilla 2014. Um, mm. You know, his name is in the title, that's who I'm there to see. And there is just so little Godzilla in that movie. <laughs> and, you know, at least in the other movies where it's like, well, you know, it, first of all, that is the one with the least Godzilla in it of all Godzilla movies. But in addition to that, mm. the ones that surround it tend to be ones where you, they had at least the excuse of bulky puppets and stuff that they're manipulating. And it's not just a CGI creature. So um, that uh, kind of left a sour taste in my mouth in terms of like, well, just fucking put them on screen then. <laughs> um <laughs> But then for them to, in my opinion, sort of course correct with King of the Monsters and the the human element in it, I think, is perfectly adequate. I think that compared to what I've seen in a lot of other Godzilla movies, totally fine in that I am able to just kind of ignore it on some level. Like, yeah, it's it's there. It's fine. I like the actors, I think that they're doing pretty good performances, except for Thomas Middleditch is very annoying in it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, but the monster fights in that movie are so good, in my opinion. I think that they are so fun. The different like color grading that's happening in different areas and when different monsters are fighting, the the sort of conflict and the the resurrections that happen and getting to be excited about seeing these monsters come back in a new form and a new life was just really, really satisfying for me as a Godzilla fan. Um, so I, I think that that's a great pick. I'm really glad to see it get represented on here. Oh, awesome. Thanks. I think the of all of the kaiju movies that I think I saw for this episode, the scale on that one felt the biggest, Yeah. Um, which is kind of what I want in a kaiju movie, I think. Not just the monster, but like the scope of it. Um, you know, it's not one city. It's not limited to just that. This is like globe spanning. You really feel like, I they're think huge. for the first time, they're huge. And like, you get the sense that, oh man, yeah, these, like they've existed forever under underneath the earth's surface. And, and they've, they, they really did rule the earth at some point, you know, like this is, and then they just all start coming up. I don't know. It's, uh, it was a blast. Um, It really was. Uh, That whole series, the MonsterVerse, like I said, totally surprised me. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. 
Uh, all right, I'm up now, right? For yep. my last pick. Yeah, t- all right. Take us home. Take man. us home. Well, I have another toy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is this is my guy, Dimogen. Um, he is a golem, uh, a giant statue come to life. And, uh, and, and this movie is just incredible. It's a, it's another period piece. I also forgot to mention that, um, Pulgasari is a period piece. So, which is also kind of mm-hmm. distinct and interesting for, for these movies. Um, but this is also a period piece that takes place during samurai times. And the movie is just so interesting and cool. It feels like vaguely Shakespearean. Not in a direct adaptation like Throne of Blood way, but it really captures that vibe, I think. Um, and that's like the first half of the movie. And then suddenly a stone statue in the mountain comes to life and just wrecks fucking shop. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's these beautiful landscapes, great lighting. The actual kaiju action is fantastic. There's a beautiful villain's evil laugh. You got to have a great evil laugh on your villain. Um, Every one of these dumbasses is their own worst enemy. They're constantly getting themselves killed or captured, and it's so fun to watch them get their comeuppance, to have this sort of protector spirit come down from the mountains and and destroy them and protect the the little people. Um, You know, I like when when the kaiju are a a positive force for humanity in the end. I think that that is a, a very hopeful message that... You know, there there can be something that comes out of it and 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 helps us uh, along. And uh, this is just a really great one. It's a really interesting one that does capture a different feeling to a lot of these kaiju movies. Um, but I think that it does such a great job of showing the breadth of the of the subgenre. You know, it doesn't have to just be monsters slapping against each other in the Arctic. <laughs> <laughs> So, that so yeah, I'm, cool. I'm picking Dimogen for sure. Awesome. What year was that? Great question. That? I don't know what year that was. I'll look it up right now. Dimogen came out in uh, 1966. Oh, okay. And it, wow. yeah, it's set in like the late 1800s or something like that. So, uh, or maybe mid 1800s. But it's really, yeah, it's just really interesting. There are three of them and they are all pretty good. Um, there was a, a recent trilogy put out by, I think, Shout Factory. And so, uh, oh, it's, nice. it's just really, really a lot of fun. I'd highly recommend it to people who maybe don't know this, uh, this series. Yeah. No, that sounds awesome. Uh, okay. To recap the draft. Uh, George, in the first round, you took Shin Godzilla. In the second, you took The Host. In the third, you took Gamera vs. Giron. In the fourth, you took Polgasari. And in the fifth, you took... Dimogen. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nick, in the first round, you took Cloverfield. In the second, Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. In the third, Godzilla, the original Japanese version. Uh, in the fourth, Godzilla Raids Again. And in the fifth, Godzilla King of the Monsters. You went Godzilla wow. heavy those final three rounds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then in the first round, I took Pacific Rim. In the second, I took the original King Kong. In the third, I took the Schlockfest that is Deep Rising. In the fourth, I took the original Gamera. And in the fifth, I took Kong Skull island that concludes the kaiju draft uh let's move right into our post-draft analysis 
and uh, the undrafted free agents. What are some of the honorable mentions here? And we'll start with you, our guest, George. Uh, what are some of the honorable mentions you had? Hell yeah. Well, so my other franchise, just in case, I was like, maybe someone has heard of one of these other <laughs> franchises and I'll have to <laughs> uh, panic switch. And so my other non-Godzilla uh, kaiju is Gorgo, which is an Irish mm. kaiju. Um, first <laughs> of all, there's a place called Dorkin's Circus, which just makes me laugh. <laughs> But, but in addition to that, it, it's a clear Godzilla ripoff, but there are several Godzilla movies that are worse than Gorgo. <laughs> um, it's also, you know, it's fun to watch him stomp around London. You know, that's not a set that gets used a lot of times or not a, not a setting that gets used a lot of times for these mon- for these monster movies. And, you know, for me personally, that is a setting that I'm more familiar with the landmarks of than Tokyo. And so seeing him destroy Piccadilly Circus and and uh, the all all of these London hallmarks, Big Ben, uh, you know, it's it's just a, a fun alternative to uh, to Godzilla, I think. Um, awesome, yeah, it's a real fun one. And then uh, the other Godzilla movies that I had considered when I was not getting uh, uh, Shin Godzilla here were uh, Godzilla versus Hedra, which is the pollution monster one. This movie is dope. Mm. The costumes are great. The weird animation interludes are trippy as hell and fun. I can always get behind an anti-pollution message. Uh, red and mm. green, red and green steep lighting, effective horror moments. Honestly, that's one of the, to, in my opinion, that's one of the scariest Godzilla movies because things are just like melting from the from the acid and everything. There's a, a real like uh, scary apathy that affects certain segments of humanity where they're just like, well, let's just fucking party until we're all dead. Um, <laughs> You see people like accept their fate. Like at one point, like a mother just like hugs her daughter in the wreckage and is like, "We're gonna go meet daddy soon." And you're just like, "Good lord, that's dark." <laughs> yeah, Jeez. yeah. And most of all, the movie passes the house inspired. Does this movie have a dancing skeleton test? Oh, nice. <laughs> um, so that's a great one. Terror of Mechagodzilla, which is the second. Mecha Godzilla movie I think is way way better than the first one the mm. uh, there's a lot of great miniature work some great pyrotechnics uh Godzilla versus King Ghidra which is the 1991 movie they combined Godzilla with T2 come on what what, what more do I even need to say <laughs> um and then my last one uh was Godzilla Final Wars which was uh, the 2004 movie that kind of ended the millennium era of Godzilla where this movie is just off the wall it feels like if if um the the guy who made um Kung Fu Hustle made a Godzilla movie like it it is just crazy the it's delightfully cheesy it leans into what i consider the fun parts of the franchise there are 14 monsters in total um and Gigan gets to come back everybody gets a lot of upgrades the general looks like Mike Hagar from Final Fight <laughs> <laughs> just a lot of really great stuff. I will say there are a few things that did preclude me from picking it, which is that, first of all, Minya is back. I fucking hate Minya. That little okay. piece of shit. Um, <laughs> the CGI is also not great. But also, uh, you mentioned this with uh, King Kong. There's some racism that happens in it where I'm like, well, this is just dragging it down enough to not make the list. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's that's uh Rio Rio Kitamura, right? Who directed that one? Right. Yeah. Um yeah, I, like I haven't seen that one yet, but I was always interested because as a filmmaker, I find him Well, you described it's he's like he sounds like you described the movie as batshit crazy, which I would use to describe every piece of work that I've seen from him. Yeah. Um 
This is the first but one fun. where I would say the human element is more interesting than the monsters. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. I mean, that's that's intriguing to me. That makes me want to see it. His his films are, I mean, just very kinetic and fun, full of energy. Very fun, and, for sure. Um, so that sounds appealing to me. Check it out. Nice. I'm going to have to. What about you, Nick? What did you have on your list that uh, that didn't get drafted? I pretty much, I mean, I think, is there anyone that wasn't picked? Um, I think the only one, oh, yeah, two. I, well, the rest of the MonsterVerse that didn't get picked was on my list just because I actually wound up enjoying them, like I said. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely, you know, Godzilla vs. Kong and, and 2014 Godzilla were my least favorite of that series by a long shot, so. Yeah. Gotcha. Agreed. Gotcha. Agreed. Yeah. Um, for me, there was a couple other, uh, kind of newer films that, that I actually really enjoyed. I really like Love and Monsters. I, I don't know if you guys have seen, uh, that I haven't one. haven't gotten to it yet. I, okay. I like that a lot. I, I was actually surprised. I went in with very low expectations and really came away really, um, uh, enjoying it quite a bit. Nice. Uh, lots of great massive monsters that he basically has to try to get past in order to uh get to his girlfriend because they're basically everyone's like living underground but they're separated but they're connecting by like uh radio Mm. and everything and so he's got to now travel across this monster infested and he's he's considered like of his little like commune like the least helpful (laughs) because he doesn't have like the practical like weapon skills and he's kind of like scrawny and everything (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and so it's it's a lot of fun and, and uh, funny, and uh, Michael Rooker's in Ooh. it in a small role, which is great. So, yeah, I, I recommend that. That was a lot of fun. Uh, almost made the list, uh, but I went Kong Skull Island instead. Um, and then I'm going to go with a movie that introduced me to Scoot McNary, who is one of my favorite actors, and that is Monsters um, from, I believe... Oh my god, I forgot about Monsters. Yeah. That easily would have made my list um, if I'd thought of that. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's just one where, you know, it's it's similar to Cloverfield in which you don't see a lot of these monsters throughout it. And it's telling a far more human story yep. where they have to travel through the monster infested area to get. Basically, he works as a photographer for, you know, a, a news organization and like one of the owner's daughters basically right. is, you know, trapped and he's got to get her through. Have you seen that? I uh, had uh, never course? even heard of it until this moment. Oh, OK. OK. <laughs> but I'm looking it up. Um, it looks cool. Gareth that's Edwards. Gareth Edwards. Yeah. Yeah. Pre-Godzilla. Yeah, exactly. I think that's why he got Godzilla. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Which makes a lot yeah. of sense, actually. Sure. And then. Um, so anyway, I mean, that was just one where you don't see them a lot. And it's also one where. You know, they're not constantly attacking. It's almost like, you know, they've, you know, uh, exist in this area and, like, we'll leave humans alone if humans leave them alone. But they're constantly provoked in many ways. And so it's really asking that question of, like, who is the real kind of monster here? Mm. Is it humanity or, or these monsters? Another classic. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So anyway, uh, that was one that I really love. And again, like I said, it introduced me to Scoot McNary, who I think is fantastic in pretty much everything he's been in. Uh, and I really love him as an actor. If, if folks haven't watched Halt and Catch Fire, the AMC series, I, I'd highly recommend it. Um, and there was a couple classics um, of like 50s B movies that I, I you know, had on my list like Them Ooh, yeah. and Tarantula, which I think are both super fun and like in that same schlocky kind of B movie way. Um, and then I did have a sort of 
off the beaten path one, which I don't know if the commissioner would have ruled was or was not, but uh, cue the winged serpent. Definitely. Uh, okay. I love that movie. All right. And uh, okay. you know what? Yeah. Maybe it's not, but fuck it. I would like to hear people talk about it. So <laughs> it would have made the cut. Yeah. That was one on my list, but you know, I enjoy that movie, but, but you know, the, these other ones I just enjoyed. Hell more, yeah. So Hell yeah. There Great you go. movie. Michael Moriarty. Amazing. Awesome. Larry Cohen. We love yeah. that guy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think? Do you think there was any reaches or steals here of the draft? I mean, I yes. think the steal of the, gra- the draft was uh, Gareth Edwards' Monsters, which was not part of the draft, but <laughs> made me realize <laughs> what an omission that was. Um, great movie. Okay. Easily would have made my list. There's a sequel, by the yeah. way. He there is, and I haven't seen yeah, it. I've, I've yeah, I, I don't it. know if it's any good. It's a, the yeah. Pacific Rim sort of thing where like, I'm sure it won't be. But I liked the yeah. first one enough that I feel like I owe it to myself to see it. So, hell yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna say that original Godzilla in the third round is a steal in my opinion. Yeah, I'm surprised it didn't go earlier. So yeah. Um. Here now, okay. Did either Constable of you have Pacific Island. Rim as high as I did? <laughs> No. no. Okay, so maybe the number one overall pick in the draft being Pacific Rim <laughs> is the reach of the draft. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but if I'm if I'm going like you know with my heart, that's I gotta go uh, with it. So yeah. no regrets yeah. on my part. <laughs> yeah, I, and honestly, King of the Monsters feels a little like a steal to me. Just like sneaking it in at the very last second like that. I mean, I yeah. really like that movie a lot. I, I think it's a lot of fun, and so. To, to kind of have it be just like the the last one where we're just like, well, I guess I'll take it. I'm like, that feels like a steal to me. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, cool. I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm glad I got it, to be honest. Um, but I am... Damn monsters. Son of a... <laughs> I'm like <laughs> so disappointed. Like I had to pick three Godzilla movies and I You're couldn't sending squeeze them back to the back to the bench. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so disappointed. Uh, all right. Well, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for coming on and joining us, George. Uh, where can people find you? What, what do you want to plug? Yeah. Hey, truly my pleasure. Had a wonderful time chopping it up with the boys here. Uh, you can find me at Little Horror PHL on Twitter. That username applies pretty much everywhere. Uh, letterboxed, Instagram. I'm on Instagram a lot less than I'm on Twitter. So if you really want to talk to me or find me or see what I'm up to, Twitter is really the place. Uh, so check that out. Little Horror PHL. The best little horror house in Philly is the podcast. We talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest, at least. We've had all kinds of great guests, comedians that you know, uh, like um, Lennon Parham and Mike Mitchell mm-hmm. and um, Joe Wanger. All, all, I mean, amazing comedians from Earwolf-adjacent pods, typically. Um, yep. <laughs> some, some great critics as well. Uh, we just talked with Katie Reif, formerly of the AV Club, and she's writing in Rolling Stone and stuff. We talked about uh, the 1997 movie Cure from Japan, which is really amazing. Yeah. Just uh, so many great conversations, and I learned so much from the guests and and hearing their passion for the movies really is what keeps the show going because uh, it's it's so much fun to uh, pick a new best horror movie every damn week. Yeah, and it's a fantastic podcast. I recommend anybody who's listening to us go and listen uh, to George's podcast, The Best Little Horror House in Philly. And I got to say, you know, as someone who does like research for With Grolly and Rust, I'm always blown away by the research you do every episode for the movies that the guests bring. I think uh, it's really fantastic. And you bring a lot to those episodes with a lot of that background information you bring. Well, thank you. That means a lot coming from you. 
Nice. Well, thank you so much, uh, George, for joining thank us. You. Uh, folks, yeah, this tune great. in next time. Yeah, for uh, a TBD episode. We don't know what's coming up next. We'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> tune in last time for Eco Horror. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> the song you heard in this episode is You Are a Monster by Monroeville Music Center. It's being used under a CC. BY Creative Commons license and was accessed from freemusicarchive.org. If you'd like to hear more of Monroeville Music Center, you can find them on Bandcamp, their Facebook page, YouTube, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, Discogs, iHeartRadio, and Deezer. And hey, if you want to reach out and communicate with us, please send an email to horrordraftspod at gmail.com. Or find us on Instagram, at Horror Drafts, all one word. We'd love to hear any questions you have for us, suggestions for topics to draft, or ideas for guests, especially if you can put us in touch with them. Thanks, everyone, and we hope to hear from you soon. (laughs) 